Live from the basement, this is Cellar Dweller Sports. And we're back with another edition of Cellar Dweller Sports featuring K-Dog and G-Mac. Welcome back to the Cellar. We're here with the New York Jetropolitans and the New York Giants. Today's rundown, we have NCAA Championship Review, the NFL Playoff Picks for the Divisional Round, uh, the Jets Coaching Hire Selection, James Harden Trade, and the A-10 Review at the end. So first off, we'll start out with the NCAA championship game, and uh, I'm pretty sure this is what we both thought it would be. It was not close from the start. It was a it was a blowout for most of this game. Not close. Alabama won this game, 52 to 24 over Ohio State in Miami. Smoked them. Uh, Justin Fields for Ohio State, 17 for 33, 194 yards and a touchdown. Compared to his counterpart at Alabama, Mac Jones, who had 464 yards, five touchdowns, zero INTs, good for a 203, uh, 203.3 passer rating. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's just that's just insane. That is insane. Uh, Najee Harris had 79 yards and two touchdowns, while Master Teague for Ohio State took over for Trey Sermon with 65 yards and two TDs. But the story was the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, Dynamite. 12 receptions, 215 yards, and three touchdowns in the game. He just, it looked, he was unstoppable. That's that's all I could say about that. It was just amazing to watch. Domination. Uh, Alabama was minus eight and a half to close the spread, and they easily surpassed that, which... Got me the win on that one. Yeah, what was your prediction? I said by three touchdowns wow, plus. Wow, you said by three touchdowns plus. Woo, that was a good pick. So I, I said they would win 27-17, cover the spread, win by 10. They just got crushed. And K-Dog, this game was essentially over by the half. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought the Tide would cover, but I didn't think they'd blow out the Bucks. But they've been blowing teams out all year. Although Florida gave them a better game in the SEC chip than Ohio State did in this game, K-Dog. Yeah. Florida was much more competitive mm-hmm. than Ohio State. You know, you talked about Mac Jones. You know, I, I going into the game, I said he'd have over 300 yards passing and three TDs. I thought Devontae Smith would have three TDs if you go back to last week's show and that Harris would rush for 100 yards. And K-Dog, I was pretty close predicting mm-hmm. the, the success of the three-headed monster. I mean, these guys were unbelievable. You know, I was a little bit off. I said Mac Jones would throw for 300 yards. He threw for 500 yards. I said he'd have three TDs. Yeah. He had five TDs. Unbelievable. I'm not sure if he'll be a good pro QB, but someone should take a chance on him with a late first-round pick, K-Dog. Yeah, I think so Maybe as well. Maybe the Jets get him in a late late round with their late Maybe, round pick. Maybe, possibly, yeah, see what happens. I don't know. He could be the next Joe Burrow, I'm thinking. He could be, yeah. He, he could, played he outstanding. You know, and Devontae Devont, Smith showed why he won the Heisman, and, and this young man is dynamite. 
You know, he had 215 yards receiving and three touchdowns in one half before getting injured early in the third quarter. You know, I was a little wrong with Najee Harris. He only had 79 yards rushing, but he also had 79 yards receiving. He demonstrated that he's a complete player, and he certainly solidified his draft stock. I mean, somebody he's going to go early, I would think, uh, in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. The Ohio State defense had no answer for the Tide's explosive offense, with the Tide racking up 621 total yards. I commented the Bucks D was suspect, and that was obvious during the game. During this game, Ohio State looked like they would go toe to toe for a while with Bama early, but you know Alabama made the necessary adjustments on D, and then essentially shut them out in the second half. I thought that Ohio State and Justin's Justin Fields played the game of his life against Clemson and that it would be difficult to maintain that performance. And that proved to be the case. And you talked about his stats and Justin Fields played more like he typically has against top ranked teams. You know, he had some impact with his legs at times rushing for 67 yards in the game, but he did not look sharp throwing the ball, missing a number of throws I'm sure he wasn't 100% with his rib injury, Mm K-Dog, but he didn't look sharp, and he struggled at times as he has against top-tier teams this year. And, you know, buyer beware. If you're going to pick fields, beware, because it'll be a guarantee that, you know, he won't be a good pro QB. Certainly if the Jets pick him, then you know he won't be a good QB. But I've said it before that you need to be aware of drafting Ohio State QBs because they typically don't pan out in the NFL. So the season ends, K-Dog, with the best college football team winning the college football championship. There's no question about that fact that Alabama was the best team in all year and they're the best team in college football. I know it wasn't going out on a limb, but I picked Bama at the beginning of the season to win the chip. So who did you pick to win the chip at the beginning? Clemson. Oh, you picked Clemson to win the chip. Okay, well, I got that one. Uh, but you did beat me overall in uh, our college football pick. Yeah. So what did you finish up with that uh, win? I finished off 20-6 and six on the season. Okay, that's really good, K-Dog, really good. Yeah. You should be taking on some of these guys in uh, on these uh, network shows trying to predict things. Yeah, I know. You're picking better than them. Yeah, it was a good season for college. Yeah, well, you smoked me in college, so I give you the championship. You've earned the Cellar Dweller Sports College Football Prediction Championship, so congratulations. Thank you, thank you. All right, so now that we're done with that, we'll move on to our NFL playoff picks, and we'll rewind the wild card before the divisional. And we'll start out with the first game, the 1 p.m. game from last week, which was the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Uh, This game was really close, came down to the wire, but the Bills pulled the game off 27-24 against the Colts. It was a really good game. Both quarterbacks played outstanding. Phillip Rivers, 309 yards, two touchdowns, zero INTs, while Josh Allen had 324 yards, two touchdowns, zero INTs. Uh, Like I said, the rushing game was better for the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, 78 yards on the touchdown, 
while Zach Moss only had 21 yards on seven carries. Uh, the leading wide receiver for the Bills is, you guessed it, Stefan Diggs, 128 yards on six receptions and a touchdown. And the leading wide receiver for the Colts was Michael Pittman, 90 yards. But I really wouldn't consider him the leading wide receiver because he dropped a, a crucial touchdown at the end of the first half, yeah, which probably changed this game. Uh, it could have easily went the Colts' way. They just didn't convert on the big opportunities. Buffalo was minus 6.5. I took the Colts to cover the spread, which they did, moving me to 1-0 on the week. Oh, wow. Good pick, K-Dog. So I picked the Colts to win outright 31-24. I got the winner incorrect, but got the cover with Buffalo winning the game 27-24. In my opinion, K-Dog, Buffalo's McDermott outcoached Frank Wright, and that was the difference in the game. Buffalo played a pretty clean game while the Colts didn't execute well enough to win the game, although they probably should have won the game. The Colts kicker, Goggles Paisano, was one for three with field goals, which cost them. You know, all he's got to do is connect on those two field goals, and then, you know, the the, uh, Colts are are winners. The Colts defender jumped offside on a fourth down play when everyone in the building and on TV and watching at home knew the Bills were just trying to draw them offsides and not run a play. You know, and that extended the drive, which led to a touchdown instead of a field goal attempt. This is at least a four-point swing in the game. Mm -hmm. And then the Colts, as you stated, go for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal with Pittman not being able to come up with the catch, which was another potential three-point differential. So if you look at the uh, field goal kicking of Goggles Paisano, jumping off sides, and then going for it on fourth down, you know, you're looking easily at a 10-point swing and they would have won the game. But, mm-hmm. you know, I like aggressive coaches, but his aggressive play calling wasn't situational. Going for the two-point conversion so early in the game was questionable. Fortunately, you know, the Colts were able to convert on the next TD, so it didn't have an impact on the game. The Colts look unorganized and ill-prepared, k Dog, on that last drive of the game after they got a fortunate call and what should have been a fumble. I mean, you and I were watching that. We're talking about that should have been a fumble. Mm -hmm. They got the fortunate call, but then they were unprepared. They came out of the the timeout, which was long as they were reviewing it, and they weren't ready for the next play. They had all this time to prepare and get plays called while they were reviewing it. The play calling was poor. They looked confused. Good win for Buffalo, who moves on. Josh Allen played solid and adds another dimension with his legs, keeping the Colts' D off balance. Buffalo's D did enough to win the game, and the Bills move on. And I'm 1-0 for the week, K-Dog. 1-0. All right, so we'll move on to the 4 o'clock game, which was the L.A. Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks in an NFC West matchup once again. And the Rams came out and won this game 30 to 20. Uh it was it was a really good game, but uh good game. the Rams defense just was far superior to the uh Seahawks defense. Uh Jared Goff for the Rams had 155 yards, a touchdown, zero INTs in relief for John Walford. Russell Wilson had 174 yards, 
two touchdowns and an INT in this game. INT was crucial. Cam Akers for the Rams had 131 yards and a touchdown, while Chris Carson had only 77 yards. Uh, DK Metcalf for the Ram uh, for the Seahawks, I mean, kept the uh, the Seahawks in this game with 96 yards and two touchdowns, while uh, Robert Woods for the Rams had 48 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf was the big factor for the Seahawks uh, offense. Uh, the Rams defense just came up big against Russell Wilson and company. Huge, huge. Uh, the spread was minus three and a half to Seahawks, and I picked the Rams to win outright, which moved me to two and zero on the week. Yeah, that was a bold pick, and it came through. I mean, you you uh, had that game pegged, K Dog. I picked the Hawks to win 17-16. You know, as you stated, the Rams won 30-20, upsetting Seattle. I got the inner, the winner incorrect, but I covered the spread. I thought the game would be close, and if the Rams were to win, they would need to do it with their defense. And the defense and Jared Goff stepped up to get the game. I stated last week that if the Rams were to win it, it would be on the back of their D and that they needed a defensive score. Well, K-Dog, they got a defensive score with the pick six by Williams, intercepting the Russ Wilson to DK Metcalf pass, taking it to the house. The D helped Seattle, held Seattle to 278 total yards, K-Dog, and they were terrorizing Russ all day. Five sacks, a fumble recovery, held Russ to 142 yards passing. You know, they have this vaunted pass offense with one of the best QBs in football, some of the best wide receivers in Lockett and Metcalf, and all they're able to do is muster up 142 yards. Aaron Donald was a beast, two sacks, terrorizing Russ all day. He likes playing Seattle. Seattle's offense the last half of the season, K-Dog, was pedestrian with Russ Wilson passing for less than 200 yards. And again, in yesterday's game, or last week's game, I should say, that was the, the case. You know, if you ask me, K, K-Dog, DK Metcalf, he was a distraction in this game with his early side, early game sideline antics. He had two TDs, but one was in garbage time, so I, don't, I discount that. They were very explosive early in the season but tailed off significantly. Not sure why, K-Dog. Maybe it's on account of their running game, which is fair at best. Whatever the reason, it should be better. The offense should be better with Russ Lockett and Metcalf. As for the Rams, last week I thought I said Cam Akers needed to have a big day for the Rams to have a chance, and you, you said it, K-Dog. He had a huge day. You know, Wolford starts the game but was knocked out in the first quarter requiring emergency QB Goff to play. You know, say what you want about Jared Goff, but this guy is tough. Played two weeks after having hand surgery, and he was pretty darn good, throwing for 155 yards and a TD. Seattle's defense, defense, which was poor all year, continued to be poor. Jamal Adams was bad, but he made sure we all knew he played hurt. And has to have surgery. So, you know, he had his, his uh, excuse embedded early. Jamal, nobody cares. 
you lost, your pass coverage was bad as usual, and the Rams were actually throwing at you. So the Jets made a good decision, KDOG, to get rid of Jamal. Anyway, Rams move on and showed which is the team is the best team in the NFC West. The Hawks face an offseason in which they have to figure out how to improve the D and the offense as well. As well. I think the Hawks are trending downward, K-Dog. I really do. And I'm 2-0 for the week. Yep. Uh, I believe they are also trending downwards, which would be good for a Jets pick next year as well. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So we'll move on to our 8 o'clock game, which was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Washington football team. And the Buccaneers pulled this one out 31-23. It was a it was a good game for the most part. Uh, Tom Brady, three hundred eighty one yards, two touchdowns, zero ints. Taylor Heineke coming in for the injured Alex Smith had a really good game for his first like one of his first second game ever, second career start. Three hundred six yards, one touchdown, one int. He kept this team in it for the longest. Uh, Leonard Fournette for the Bucks had ninety three yards and a touchdown. While Antonio Gibson for the football team only had 31 yards on zero touchdowns. Uh, The wide receiver for Washington football team, Cam Sims, had 104 yards on seven receptions. That was the leading wide receiver of the day. Uh, Also, Mike Evans had 119 yards for the Bucs. And Chris Godwin had 79 yards and a touchdown for the Bucs as well. Uh... It was just the the football team just didn't have enough offense to muster up the win. That's what I got from from it. Uh, the Bucks were minus ten. They lost. They won by eight, so they did not cover the spread. Moving me to two and one on the week. Okay, so I picked the Bucks to win the game, thirty-one ten. And this game was closer than I anticipated, right? The Skins competed with Heineke. And Heineke showed a lot of toughness, K-Dog, and football acumen. I'm surprised this guy isn't a backup in the NFL because he demonstrated he has the skill set and the ability to compete. And, you know, he's better than a lot of these backup quarterbacks that I see uh, week in and week out. Mm. I was impressed with this guy. He deserves an opportunity the game kind of went as I expected, except except I didn't expect the Skins to score more points uh, than they did. I thought they would score less points. I thought Brady would throw for over 300 yards with three TDs. I was wrong. He did throw for 381, but only two TDs. Tom, you let me down. Leonard Fournette was impressive with almost 100 yards rushing and a TD. The Washington D, which has been good all season, K-Dog, was atrocious this week, giving up over 500 total yards. Tom Brady was protected and looked very comfortable in the pocket. K-Dog, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Did Chase Young play last week? Uh, yes, he did, but okay. well, zero pressures at all whatsoever. Well, well I'll, answer, I'll add to that because Chase Young had one tackle and two assists. So, you know, Chase, you wanted Tom Brady. You got Tom Brady, and you were a no-show. So I don't know when some of these guys are going to learn to stop talking, 
Chase Young wanted Tom Brady, got him, did nothing in the game, much like he did nothing against Clemson in the college football playoffs last year. You know, and hey, Chase, you know, do something before you start talking. The teacher taught you a lesson. Hopefully you have learned that lesson. The concern I have for Tampa Bay is their defense, which was supposed to be the backbone of the team, has been fair at best, K-Dog, fair at best. The Bucks D gave up almost 300 yards passing to Heineke, K-Dog, mm-hmm. and almost 400 total yards. They will need to be much better if they want to advance in the playoffs, but this is what they are. Nevertheless, the Bucks win. They don't cover, and I got this game incorrect, so I'm 2-1 and one for the week, K-Dog. All right, so we'll move on to the Sunday games, and the first game was the 1 p.m. game. Baltimore Ravens took on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Uh, this game was also really close, a thriller to the end, but the Ravens pulled it off 20-13 to against the Titans. Lamar Jackson had 179 yards, zero touchdowns, one INT. Uh, not that good, but he got not the job good. done, I guess. Yeah, they got by. Uh, Ryan Tannehill had 165 yards, a touchdown in the INT. Not good whatsoever. Not good. Uh, J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens had 43 yards and a touchdown. And the story for this game was Derrick Henry on the Titans. 40 yards on 18 carries, his lowest of the season. Uh, He just couldn't come up in the big game, I guess, and uh, that's probably where they lost, to be honest. Uh, Marquise Brown for the Ravens, 109 yards on seven receptions. And for the Titans, A.J. Brown had 83 yards on six receptions and a touchdown. Uh, The third down efficiency also for this game was crucial. Titans only 4 for 12 on third downs. Yeah, you're not going to win. And the Ravens were 7 of 13 on third downs. Uh, the Ravens also beat them in total yards, passing yards, and rushing yards. Uh, they gave up, uh, the Titans gave up more sacks as well. Uh, the spread was minus 3.5 to Baltimore. I picked the Titans to win outright, which moved me to 2-1 and one on the week. Two and two on the week. Two and two on the week. So I predicted K Dog the Ravens would win the game outright 28-24. You stated the score 2013. You know, K Dog, the Titans looked really good early, and I thought my pick mm-hmm. was doomed. Doomed. And the Titans were winning 10 zip after the first quarter, but essentially did nothing the rest of the game except except scoring a field goal in the fourth quarter. The story was the Ravens D made the necessary adjustments after the first quarter, basically shutting out the Titans the rest of the way. I mean, the Titans only had 200 yards total. The Titans couldn't get the running game going, as you stay with Henry, only 40 yards rushing. That's just unheard of. The Titans won't win any games if Henry only rushes for 40 yards. Mm -hmm. Tannehill was bad throwing, right? He threw for, as you stated, 165, one TD and one INT. But this is what Tannehill is. If the Titans can't run the ball, then the play-action pass doesn't work either, which is the key to their passing game and the key to Tannehill's success. Meanwhile, the Ravens' offense rode the legs of Lamar Jackson, not the arm of Lamar Jackson, 
Jackson was fair as a passing QB, threw for 179, zero touchdowns, and one INT. On the ground, he was dynamite, rushing for 136 yards and a TD, outrushing the Ravens' other two primary running backs. You know, the Titans needed to force Jackson to stay in the pocket and not let him run out, but they couldn't do that. The key to stopping the Ravens is stack the box and force them to pass the ball. You know, one commentary I have, K-Dog, is I didn't like Lamar Jackson running off the field without shaking hands and encouraging his teammates to run off the field without shaking hands. You know, that's just poor sportsmanship and a testament of his character. You know, you need to let bygones be bygones. I understand, you know, they had, you know, last time they met some words before the game and so forth, but you got to let it go, you know. Um, and I, I just don't personally like that. It makes... For me, Lamar Jackson, a tough person to root for, K-Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Titans showed what they are, a team that needs to improve on defense with an offense that is one-dimensional, totally dependent on Henry. And unfortunately for them on this day, Henry couldn't be Superman. He's Superman 99% of the time. He couldn't be Superman again. So Ravens move on, and the Titans need to figure out how to improve their D at a minimum, if they want to go further in the playoffs. I won the game. I'm 3-1 and one for the week. All right, so we'll move on to the Bears versus Saints, the, the 4 o'clock game. And, uh, yeah, this game wasn't close at all. No. The Bears the Bears offense is just atrocious. Oh, Saints won the game 21-9. to Mitch Trubisky for the Bears had 199 yards and a touchdown while Drew Brees had 265 yards, two touchdowns for the for the Saints. Alvin Kamara also had 99 yards and a touchdown really for good. the Saints. David Montgomery for the Bears uh, did not show up. 31 yards, 12 carries. No. Uh, good for 2.6 yards per carry. Uh, the leading wide receiver for the Bears was uh, free agent now, Allen Robinson. Hopefully the Jets could try and make a move on him. Uh, Michael Thomas for the Saints had 73 yards and a touchdown. And this game was also uh, a tale of offense, uh, third down efficiency. Uh, Saints 11 for 17 on third downs, while the Bears were 1 for 10 on third downs. Yeah, you're not winning like that at all. Uh, uh, The Saints had two fumbles, one lost, and still won the game handily. Saints were minus 10 favorites, and they beat the spread, moving me to 3-2 and two on the week. 3-2 and two on the week. Who, who was the uh, Bears wide receiver that dropped that shirt touchdown? Do you remember who that was? Uh, might have been Komet. I'm not sure. I don't know. But that, that's the guy the Jets will sign. <laughs> but, you know, that was a key point in the game, K-Dog, because that was a sure touchdown. And I think at the time it was 7 nothing. Uh, was close at that point in time. But, you know, yeah, the Bears, they came into the Superdome. I predicted the Saints would win 31-13, Saints won 29 game. It unfolded as I expected. Bears offense struggling. D kept it close for a while. The Bears had no running game, as you stated. Trubisky is what you expect, you know, from him passing for 199 yards and a touchdown late in the game when, his, when it was over. You talked about the Bears' offense is poor, and they will need to figure out how to develop a consistent running game and whether they have a QB. 
I think Foles is the only QB they have under, under contract after this season. So if that's the case, I'd expect Trubisky will be gone. They'll need to find a QB, right? So Saints offense was pretty good, racking up almost 400 total yards. And they have such a balanced attack between Drew Brees passing, Kamara rushing, you know, and the thing people forget is the Saints D. It was excellent keeping the Bears in check. They've been stepping up and getting better week after week after week. This, this is a team that usually wins on the arm of Breeze, but I think if the Saints are going to win at K-Dog, they're going to win because of the defense. Mm-hmm. So I won this game, and I moved to 4-1 and one on the week, K-Dog. 4-1 and one on the week. All right, the final game was the 8-30 game for oh NBC. Cleveland Browns versus the Steelers oh in an AFC North matchup. And, uh, yeah, the Browns just annihilated the Steelers. Destroyed them. It, the final score is 48-37, but it was not that close at all. Not close. Uh, the Steelers in the second half had a comeback. Fourth and one, uh, they were moving the ball on offense. Uh, they had a fourth and one, and then Mike Tomlin, I guess, decides to punt it, and that's where their chances ended. Uh Baker Mayfield, 263 yards, three touchdowns, zero INTs. Like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous (laughs) for Baker Mayfield. That's unbelievable. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, 501 yards, four touchdowns, four INTs. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, not a good game. Not a good game. Nick Chubb, 76 yards on 18 carries, good for 4.2 yards per per carry. He's really good. James Conner, 37 yards on 11 carries, one touchdown. Not that good. No, James Conner's not very good. Jarvis Landry for the Browns had 92 yards on five receptions for a touchdown. Nick Chubb also had 69 yards receiving. Juju Smith-Schuster was the leading wide receiver, uh, 157 yards and a touchdown, but all he's going to be doing is making TikToks for the rest of the the winter. Uh, Pittsburgh was minus 5.5, and and I took Pittsburgh at minus 5.5, which moved me to 3-3 on the week. 3-3 on the week. What college did you... uh... Jarvis Landry go to LSU. Okay, go we, Tigers. We got to get that plug in there. You've been, you haven't been. Uh, promo- Cleveland, Cleveland's you haven't been promoting. Cleveland's your team. basically LSU because they have uh, Greedy, yeah, Grant Delpit, like like Odell Beckham. They, they just like have Odell Beckham. They have so many LSU like products. Odell Beckham. Yeah, you haven't been promoting them lately, so I, I figured um, we got to get that in there. So I predicted the Steelers to win twenty-seven ten. And the Brownies just destroyed him. I got this game completely wrong, K-Dog, with the Steelers playing like I thought the Browns would play. You know, the game wasn't close as the score, you know, was basically – the game wasn't close as the score would indicate. The game was basically over in the first quarter with the Browns up 28-zip. The Browns did everything right, and the Steelers did everything wrong. You know, going into the game – Everyone was talking about, oh, the Browns didn't practice. The Browns don't have their coach. They don't have some starters all due to COVID. But you know what? Maybe they shouldn't practice because they were really sharp. And the Steelers looked like the team that uh, were having the COVID challenges because they were really bad. 
Pitt had the five turnovers versus the Browns having zero. So the Browns played a really clean game. Big Ben had four INTs. I don't know what the future is for Big Ben, but he did not look good. I don't care if he threw for 500 yards and four touchdowns because at that point in the game, the Browns were playing a prevent D for three quarters, you know, and two of them were touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, May- Mayfield was sharp. Got to give him credit. I usually don't, but he was sharp. The running combination of Chubb and Hunt ran the ball down the throat of the Steelers, which had no answers. They rushed for over 120 yards as a pair. You know, I, I guess the Browns are still not the Browns, Juju. You know, you were saying that uh, the Browns are still the Browns, and you're glad that you played them. Yep. You're playing them, but you know what? Are you still glad you played them? Because they embarrassed you. And Juju, maybe you need to stop spending so much time on TikTok. Well, as K-Dog alluded to, you got a long time before the season starts again to do all your TikTok. And maybe you could per, uh, perfect your dance moves in preparation for <laughs> dancing on logos, you know, and, and, and talking too much. But uh, you got to look up Barry Sanders if you don't know who he is and how he played and how he played with humility because, uh, you know, too many of these players, K-Dog, they just talk and they, they do ancillary things that take away from their focus of the game. And, you know, Juju, whether it's Juju Smith-Schuster or Chase Young, you know, look up Barry Sanders uh, because that, that's the way you need to play. But uh, hope, hope Juju enjoyed his humble pie. I lost this game. I lost my chance to have... Uh, my prediction for the AFC chip come true with the Chiefs playing the Steelers. But um, I ended the week at 4-2 and two K-Dog. So for the season, I'm 31-25, and 25, six games over 500. I'm 28-28 uh, and 28 on the season. Ooh-wee. Well, so. you're the champ for college, so I got I to gotta have some notoriety in this. Yeah. But, uh, but the good news, K-Dog, it's a new week, and I'm undefeated. So, K-Dog, what do we have this week? This week, we'll start out with Saturday's games. Uh, the first one is the one-seeded Packers taking on the six-seeded Rams in Lambeau. Uh, the Packers have MVP uh, winner in my, my eyes. Aaron Rodgers should win MVP for sure. Uh, Jared Goff for the Rams coming off a thumb injury, a broken thumb. We'll see how he plays, but he played pretty well in the game against the Seahawks as we talked about. Uh, the story will be probably the rushing game, I believe. Uh, it will be between Cam Akers and then the duo of Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Jamal Williams. The trio, I should say, for the Packers. The receiving core for the Rams is without Cooper Cup this week. Uh, so Robert Woods and Van Jefferson will have to take the helm at this one. For the Green Bay Packers, we all know Devontae Adams out. Uh, an amazing player. East. Also, they have Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon, as well as Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So I think they have the edge in the wide receiving core. Uh, Green Bay is at minus 7, 
but I'm going to take the Rams to cover. I think the Rams will only win by uh, the Packers will only win by three points. Oh, interesting pick, good assessment of the game. I think K Dog, this is a very intriguing game. These teams didn't play each other this year. The question is whether the Rams could put up enough points to win the game. For the Rams, it's the same formula that they used last week against the Hawks. They need to play ball control, which means Cam Akers must run for over 100 yards again. Golf will start today. Has to play a little bit better than last week, and and hopefully he's a little more healthy than last week, which would help. The Rams also need Cooper Cup to play, who was a game-time decision. The Rams' D needs to be as good as last week and will need another defensive score if they want to win. The question is how healthy Aaron Donald is. He's playing, but will he be effective? If he isn't effective, putting pressure on Rodgers and the Rams will be in trouble. If everything breaks right for the Rams, they can go into the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field and win this game. But I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will have something to say about that, k Dog. The Packers are well-rested and pretty healthy coming into this game. The combination of Rodgers and Devontae Adams is excellent. excellent. This is supplemented by a solid running game by Aaron Jones. The Rams have the number one defense playing against the Pack that put up the most points in the league using a balanced attack that is not all Aaron Rodgers. This game is tough to pick, K-Dog. I'm going to follow my prediction last week for the Rams. So as I look into my crystal ball, I think this game will be close. But I'm picking Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay to squeak past the Rams. I'm picking the Green Bay Packers to beat the Rams 21-17. The Rams play admirably but can't overcome their injuries. And the Rodgers keeps his title hopes alive. All right, so we'll move on to the second Saturday game, the A15 game, which is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Hey. Yeah, this is uh this is huge for all the Bills fans up up there. Uh <laughs> win and they go to the AFC Championship for the first time since 1993. Huge. huge. Uh, so it's going to be a matchup of the young QBs, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. I personally think Josh Allen's way better than Lamar Jackson, oh, and he'll show it in this game. No question about it. Uh, the rushing game, I think the Ravens have the edge with J.K. Dobbins over Devin Singletary. Uh, the wide receiving core, I think the Bills have that edge with uh, one of the best wide receivers in the game, Stephon Diggs, also John Brown. Uh, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley. Solid. Uh, The Ravens only really have Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews at tight end. Uh, This game is going to come down to the defenses, in my opinion. I think that the Ravens' defense is better. Uh, The line is minus two and a half bills, and I'm going with the Ravens at plus two and a half. Uh, cover the spread, win the game. Uh, sorry, Bills fans. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe, maybe next year, but uh, 
I'm picking the Ravens to win. Okay, dog. When, when you go back to school, none of your buddies are going to be liking you picking against the Bills all the time. Well, usually when I pick against the Bills, they win. So Okay. So uh, <laughs> these teams didn't meet this season. The Ravens come into Orchard Park looking to upset the Buffalo Bills. This is a battle of one of the best offenses in football in the Bills, led by Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. First, one of the best defenses in football in the Ravens, led by Matt Judon, Kalei Campbell, and Marlon Humphrey, all pro bowlers. The key to this game is going to be how the Bills defend the Ravens. The Ravens' passing game is near the bottom of the league. In order for the Ravens to win, Lamar Jackson needs to have a big game on the ground and be supplemented by J.K. Robbins. If Buffalo can scheme to make that happen, then they will win. Otherwise, they will lose. Buffalo's strength on D is their run D. Their weakness is their pass D. But I don't think that'll come into play as the Ravens don't have a strong passing game. The other question is whether the Ravens can slow down the Bills' explosive passing game. The Ravens rank six in pass yards allowed. So Josh Allen will be challenged in this game. I think the Bills have a better coach in McDermott than the Ravens' Harbaugh. The Ravens need to go on the road to Buffalo, where the weather may be a bit cold with a chance of snow. Not sure who benefits from that. Based on all of this, as I look into my crystal ball, I think it will be a close game. I think it will be decided in the fourth quarter. And I'm picking the Bills to win and cover the spread. Bills win 23-17 over the Ravens. Bills move on to the AFC Championship. And the Ravens begin to prepare for the draft. K-Dog, the only question is whether Lamar Jackson runs off the field without congratulating the Bills on their victory. Yeah, uh, he probably will not, but uh, we'll see what happens there. As we move on to the Sunday game, uh, we'll start out with the 3 p.m. game, which is the Cleveland Browns taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are minus 9.5 favorites against the Browns. Big spread. In Arrowhead. Uh, Battle of the QBs, it's Patrick Mahomes, almost 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, 6 INTs versus Baker Mayfield with... 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, 8 INTs. The rushing game, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hump for the Browns. Uh, Chiefs have Le'Veon Bell and possibly Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We'll see if he's healthy enough. He has a possibility to come back? Yeah, he has a possibility. Really? Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. That would be huge. Yeah, that would be huge for them. Uh, Jarvis Landry... Rashard Higgins and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones lead the wide receivers for the Browns. Uh, Kansas City just has a better wide receiving core, probably best wide receiver in the game. Tyreek Hill, best tight end, tight end in the game. Man, Travis awesome. Kelsey, McCall Hardman, and Robinson in the wide receiving core. Uh, yeah, they're just... Uh, my, my question for you, K-Dog, is... If um, Adam Gase was the coach of the Chiefs instead of Andy Reid, how good would they be? Probably still just as good. You think so, huh? Yeah. Oh, I don't think so. They wouldn't win nearly as many games. I think their team is just too good. Oh. But uh, 
the spread for this is minus nine and a half Chiefs. And that's why I'm going Browns at plus nine and a half. Oh, they're man. gonna they're gonna lose the game, but uh Chiefs will win by seven points. Wow, the Brownies. Okay, K Dog. Well, you know, you yeah, make some valid points to support your uh, prediction here. You know, the Browns come into Arrowhead off a huge upset of their rival Steelers. A week later, they have their coach back. They have practiced and have their starters back. As a result, they are positioned to win. Let's hold on a minute, K-Dog. The Chiefs are well-rested after a week off and have had a week to game plan. These two teams, these teams didn't play each other this year. Ironically, the Chiefs' only two losses, K-Dog, this year were at home. And the Browns are only 5-3 and three on the road, which includes a loss to the New York Jetropolitans. The Chiefs rank 5th in points scored, essentially with their number one pass offense, led by Mahomes and a loaded receiving core, as you discussed, K-Dog. They will need to rely on that because... They may not have Hilaire in the backfield, and if they have to rely on Le'Veon Bell, you know, their, their, their running game may struggle. I like Le'Veon, but he struggled, honestly, since he took his year off from Pittsburgh, then signed with the Jets. Mm-hmm. He has struggled. I like the guy, but and I hope he does well, but he struggled. On the other side, the Browns have an inconsistent offense, K-Dog. Two top-notch running backs in Chubb and Hunt, but sometimes they can't get the running game going. This is their strength of their offense, and it must be good if they want to win this game. The passing game is led by Mayfield. He's very inconsistent, and the passing game only ranks 24th in the league. Mayfield is inconsistent and prone to turnovers. He must have a clean game to give the Browns a chance. KC's D is better, ranking 10th in points allowed, versus Cleveland's D, ranking 21st in points allowed. Cleveland ranks 22nd in pass yards allowed, which doesn't bode well for them against KC. However, KC ranks 21st in rush yards allowed, which doesn't bode well for uh, them against Cleveland. The question is, K-Dog, whether the Browns can keep up with the KC offense that is going to score. I think Cleveland got all the breaks last week in their win against the Steelers. I don't expect the Chiefs to self-destruct like the Steelers did. Mayfield played a clean game last week, so I expect the tide to turn with him turning the ball over. As I look into my crystal ball, I'm picking the Chiefs to win and cover the spread, K-Dog. Chiefs 31, Browns 21. Browns head into the offseason with a lot of questions about how to get to the next level. Don't forget, they still have to deal with Odell Beckham. And hasn't it been nice not to have to hear from him for most of this season? Well, I mean, that's yeah, that's your opinion, but I love yeah, Odell. I know you so. love Odell, but you know, I, I, yeah, I have my opinion. You know how I feel about athletes and i expect athletes to you know do their talking on the field and let their play do their talking instead of you know having it be all about themselves and that's what odell is Mm -hmm. anyhow yeah so we'll move on to our uh last game which is the 640 game probably game of the week uh it's the tampa bay buccaneers taking on the new orleans saints i'm fired up nfc south matchup uh the spread is minus three towards the Saints. 
uh, Tom Brady, it's going to be the first uh, matchup of uh, two 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks ever in a playoff game yeah, with bad. Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and they're still probably t- top five in the NFL quarterback-wise. Oh, uh, definitely. Tom Brady, uh, 4,600 passing yards, four, 40 touchdowns, 12 INTs. Drew Brees missed a couple of games, but he still had 3,000 passing yards. 24 touchdowns, 6 INTs. Uh, for the uh, running back game for the Bucks, it's Ronald Jones, Rojo, and uh, Leonard Fournette as well. But for the uh, Saints rushing game, it is Alvin Kamara, one of the best in the game, at 932 yards and 16 touchdowns. Uh, I think the wide receiving core... For the, I know this is gonna sound weird, but the wide receiving core for the Bucks is better with Mike Evans, know. Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. I don't know. Uh, Saints, Saints only have uh, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, but uh, Alvin Kamara is a huge part of their uh, uh, receiving game as well. Uh, the defense for. The Saints and the Bucks are both outstanding, but I think the Saints take the edge in defense. I agree with you. Saints are minus three and a half. That's why I'm going Saints minus three and a half. I think they'll win by a touchdown, just 10 points. Very good assessment, K-Dog. So these teams have met two times this season, with the Saints winning both games, including the game in November when they beat Tampa by 35 points. I mean, they just routed them. You know, it's tough to pick against Tampa Bay and expect that the Saints will beat the Bucks three times in the same season. You know, K-Dog, there's this common belief that it's hard for a team to win three times in a season. But you know what? That may not really be the case. So since the 1970 NFL merger, this has happened 21 times where a team has already beat the team they're playing in the playoffs twice during the regular season. And the sweeping team has gone 14-7 and in those 21 times. And when the home team, which the Saints are the home team, is the sweeping team, and the Saints are the sweeping team, they have a 12-5 and record. So these stats favor the Saints, and it shows that it's not as hard as people think to for a team to beat another team three times in the season. Because at the end of the day, if you're just better than that team, you're going to beat them. Mm-hmm. So this game, K-Dog, comes down to defense. You know, you know the offenses are led by Hall of Fame QBs, Breeze and Brady, right? I personally think the Saints have a more balanced offense with Kamara at the running, game, running back position versus Fournette. I also think that the Saints have a better passing game. I know that's sacrilege to say about Tom Brady, but that's what I think. I think the Saints have a better passing game. Both teams score about the same amount of points. The Saints do it with the pass and the run, while the Bucks primarily do it with the pass. The Saints' defense is good, really good. I think the Saints' D is better than the Bucks' D. Statistically, the defenses give up about, about the same number of points, but the Saints' D is more balanced. While the Bucks' D is strong against the run and susceptible to the pass. 
Listen, they gave up almost 300 yards passing to Heineke last week, K-Dog. Heineke. Mm-hmm. I'm not degrading this guy, but, you know, they just pulled him off the practice squad and he wasn't playing all year. So that's what you need to know. That being said, as I look into my crystal ball, K-Dog, I'm picking the Saints to win the game and beat the Bucks for the third time this season. 28-21. They win. They cover the spread. Breeze continues his march to the championship in what should, probably will be his last year. And remember, K-Dog, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl prior to the season. So I have to pick the Saints. Brady is gone, you know, goes at after a good season with the Bucks, but he doesn't finish where he expects. So, you know, good run for the the Bucks and Brady, mm-hmm. but they, they got to do something different. Yeah, so uh now that we're done with the uh NFL picks, we'll move on to our next topic, which is uh the Jets. And the Jets finally hired a coach, a defensive coordinator from the 49ers, Robert Sala, for the Jets. I think, in my opinion, I think this was a great hire. He's one of the most animated guys in the NFL. Uh, he talks to his players, unlike Gase. Gase was a robot, did not talk to anyone. So I think the Jets will get a huge addition in Robert Sala with... Uh, uh, leadership. Uh, he's going to talk to his players regardless, and he's going to bring that energy that Gase did not. He's also bringing in offensive, uh, his new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, brother of Matt LaFleur. Uh, I think it's going to be great for him as well. If he, if he's as good as his brother is, then the Jets are in for a, a great ride. I think this is just the start of the offseason, and uh, Robert Salas was a great pickup. Yeah, so um, K-Dog, the Adam Gase era ended, and thankfully the Jets didn't repeat history by hiring Doug Peterson as that as their next head coach. You know, that would have been a disaster. You know, as you stated, instead they went with a first-time head coach, which I like. The Jets need something fresh and not a retread, so I'm glad they went with a first-time coaching selection in Saleya, the 41-year-old D coordinator from the Niners. Admittedly, K-Dog, I don't know much about him. He comes from the Pete Carroll coaching tree, though. He's supposed to be a leader of men, which Gase was not. The Jets need a leader to develop a winning culture, which is lacked under the Gase tenure. He had a successful four-year run with the Niners, but let's keep in mind the Niners have better players on D than the Jets do, but he was part of building that D. And just because you have good players doesn't mean you'll win as a coach. Many good teams fell short on account of their coach. He runs the Pete Carroll 4-3 defense using a lot of cover three schemes. As you stated, he's expected to bring in LaFleur from the Niners as the offensive coordinator. And LaFleur has done a good job with the Niners offense with less than top-tier QBs. So let's be honest here. The the Niners' offense was just as good with Mullins as Garoppolo. So that gives Jets fans hope when the Jets decide to keep San Darnold for another year, using the number two pick to bolster other aspects of their team. 
If LaFleur can make Mullins productive, he should be able to make Darnold productive. Maybe not, but I think that's going to be the game plan. He, he would run the, the same offense that the Niners will run, right? So it'll be a QB-friendly, heavy run game, a lot of motion, and a moving pocket. The problem is the Jets don't have a running back or an offensive line to make that successful. Mm-hmm. But it will help Darnold. That scheme will, will, will certainly help uh, Sam Darnold. The Jets ran actually a similar scheme when he was a rookie, so he's familiar with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know whether Saleya can make this a winning franchise. You know, I, I think in order for the Jets to be a winning franchise, the Johnsons need to sell the Jets. So I'm starting a movement, K Dog. This is my new movement. I'm st- I, I, I'm I'm petitioning people to see if we get Steve Cohen to buy the Jets. So Steve Cohen can own the Jets and the Mets. What do you think about that? I would take he it. He has enough money. He could do it. Yeah, I would take Come it. So, I don't know if he's a Jets fan, though. So that, that, That's all right. That's all right. I don't care if he's a Jets fan or not. He has the money. Steve Cohen, let's buy the Jets. So that's that's what we have to start promoting. The Johnsons are out. Steve Cohen buys the, the Jets. That's, that's my new thing. So anyway, uh, many good men have died trying to make the Jets a good franchise, but at the end of the day, it can't be any worse than Adam Gase, but that's also what Jets fans said about Rich Kotite, and decades later came Adam Gase, who rivals Rich Kotite as the worst coach in Jets history, so Coach Saleya, good luck, no pressure, but the Jets fans are counting on you to end their 50 years of misery. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, Robert Sala could uh, help these the Jets move forward. Let's hope he can. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. As we'll move on to our next topic, which is the James Harden trade Boom. for the Nets. The Nets traded the Houston Rockets for James Harden. It was a four-way trade. The the Nets had to give up Karis Levert. Jared Allen, Torian Prince, Rody Karuks, and four first-round picks Terrible. to land their hands on James Harden. Uh, I personally think this is a bad trade. I agree. At at least I I don't know why they gave up the four first-round picks. I think that's just way too much. Lavert and Allen, I think were. Lavert Allen and maybe another and uh, maybe a first round pick would have been good, but uh, I I just don't see how this was a good trade. We lost our best defender in Jared Allen. We lost a young star in Jared Allen. We also lost a young star in Karis Lavert. Only he he was having his best best uh, part of the season right when he got traded. But uh, uh. If the Nets think that this will make these better, make them better, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think it was a bad trade. Uh, I don't know how Harden and Kyrie will play together. They're both uh, ego-driven players, oh, so uh, Katie's gonna have to figure out how to fix these guys. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, with the Nets. Yeah, K Dog, I agree with you personally. I think this is a bad trade for the Nets mortgaging their future for a selfish player who doesn't play any defense, who's all about stats, 
and doesn't get along with others if he's not the main man. I don't know how the Nets think this is going to work with Durant and Kyrie Irving, who has his own challenges. Now, you know, I've never won I never wanted the Nets to sign Kyrie Irving, K Dog. I've been saying that from the beginning. I know why they did it, because they thought it was key, the key for landing Durant. And maybe it was, but even Durant has to now be questioning playing with Kyrie. Irving was a malcontent with drama in Cleveland when he couldn't play with LeBron. He had a lot of drama in Boston, was a team distraction. And uh, Irving brought, you know, his show to Brooklyn, where he's probably played 30 games so far, K-Dog, and he's been a distraction. And he demonstrated you can't count on him in his one-plus years with the organization. So now you bring in another selfish player who only cares about his stats, is not a winner. He's not a winner. He didn't win with Durant Mm -hmm. and, and Westbrook in OKC. He didn't win with those guys. He didn't win with Chris Paul in Houston. He didn't win with Westbrook in Houston, K-Dog. And he's not going to win in Brooklyn. So Ringling Brothers disbanded, but now the circus resides full-time at the Barclays Center, <laughs> which is what the Nets will be, a complete circus. I don't know whether the Nets GM was alive when the Nets made the terrible trade for Pierce and Garnett mortgaging their future to win now, which didn't happen, and positioned the Celtics for years of success because he just made the same move. Back then, the Nets traded three first-round picks and a first-round pick swap. This resulted in the Celtics getting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, K-Dog. That's who they got out of it. And, and ironically, K-Dog, the Celtics used a pick, one of those picks, to acquire, guess who? Uh, one of those picks for, I don't know, Kyrie. Exactly. They used one of those picks for, for to get Kyrie Irving. Wow. In that trade, the Nets didn't give up any players of significance, unlike this time. This trade resulted in making the Celtics contenders with the Nets residing in the cellar with the cellar dwellers. Well, this is that trade 2.0, except this time the Nets traded two good young players in Karis LeVert and my personal favorite net, the fro, Jared Allen. This trade didn't make them better, K-Dog. Karis LeVert can score as many points as Harden if he's given the ball. LeVert was averaging 18.5 points per game, six assists, and two steals. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not good enough? That's not good enough? How much better is, is uh, Harden going to be? Plus, they traded the only guy that plays defense in their starting center, Allen. Allen's 22 years old. He averages a double-double and almost two blocks per game. Where are they going to get that from? Mm-hmm. They're not going to get that from DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan couldn't even crack the lineup no matter how badly the Nets tried to give him the starting job because Jared Allen was so much better. The Nets ranked 22nd in points allowed per game with 112.9. The team won't win a championship because they don't play D. Before the tra- They didn't play D before the trade, and they will not play D once Harden shows up. K-Dog defense wins in the playoffs. That's why Harden and the Rockets never won because they didn't play D. 
They put up gaudy scoring stats and big win numbers in the regular season. But what happened when the playoffs rolled around? They would always get bounced out because they didn't play D. The Nets repeat history, giving up three first-round picks, a one-pick swap. Nets fans, I hope you enjoy the next two years of being eliminated in the second round of the playoffs, followed by years of residing in the cellar with us as you did with the Pierce-Garnett trade, because that is what you're in for again. The good news, K-Dog, is at least the Nets have the cool retro draws and Petrovic uniforms, so that'll keep Nets fans occupied. And I think Sean Marks is making the Knicks Dolan look like a genius. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> James Dolan. James, James Dolan is a genius. Uh, this guy, James Sean Dolan's Marks. an awful owner. Uh, it's just he yeah, he's just a terrible owner. He is a terrible owner. Too, um, but but uh, yeah, uh, it, it was a bad trade. But uh, it's not James Dolan level. <laughs> okay, we'll uh, see. We'll but see. we'll move on to our final topic of the day, which is uh, A10 basketball uh, review. Cabanas. We'll do our top. We'll uh, we'll review the top four. Uh, the number one spot is held by the St. Bonaventure Bonnies at 6-1, 4-1 in conference off of a 62-48 to win against Duquesne. They've had back-to-back 14-point uh, wins big win. against Fordham and Duquesne. Uh, it was a, it was a, a cr- really close game, but uh, the star of this game was Kyle Lofton. 28 points on 8 of 16 shooting. It's on fire. 12 for 14 from the free throw line. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Jaron Holmes also had 11 points, 9 rebounds. Oshun had 8 points, 12 rebounds. Vasquez had 11 points on 2 rebounds. A great game from from every, from the main uh, core players. Uh, 62-48, Bonnie's win and move their spot into the first place first time since 2014-2015 best start yeah no okay dog they're 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 playing really well hitting on all cylinders and you know seller dweller followers we're fortunate to have k-dog and a10 insider and bonnie's beat reporter so we're gonna have some good coverage of the a10 going forward and uh, any listeners who want to have K Dog write a column for them or be on their podcast uh, as an A10 insider and Bonnie's beat writer, just send us an Instagram and K Dog will be happy to support you in any capacity he can because he's in on in on every game and uh, has the A10 covered from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So uh, the number two spot is. Uh... VCU, um, three and one in conference, ten and three overall. That's a surprise. Uh, yeah, it's a surprise. Yeah, but uh, they kept they come off of a George Washington win, eighty four to seventy seven. Yeah, it was a close game, but uh, leading score was uh, Nishan Highland, seventeen points on and six steals for VCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's probably the one to watch for them. George Washington, on the other hand, uh, uh, leading scorer was Ricky Lindo, 
13 points on 12 rebounds, 6 of 8 shooting. Yeah, they'll be bought towards the bottom of the 8-10. Yeah, ball, right? James Bishop for uh, G-Dub also had 24 points. But yeah, uh, they'll most likely be at the bottom of the bottom of the uh, A-10 standings. Uh, VCU number two at 3-1 in the conference. Yeah, so that sets up our spotlight game of the week in the A-10, K-Dog. Yeah, about that, that is true. Right? So yeah. the spotlight game was supposed to be St. Bonaventure at the top of the A-10 versus Richmond number three in the A-10. But that game uh, has been canceled due to COVID-19 and instead the Bonnies are going to play the number two VCU Rams in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is uh, that is true. So uh, uh, it's going to be Bonaventure versus VCU. Right. And VCU smoked them last year. Yeah, VCU beat them handily last year. Uh, but VCU has lost the a few players, uh, including uh, Marco Santos Silva. Yeah, he was, uh, he huge was for a them. big uh, offensive board. He was a big rebounder, big offensive presence, big defensive presence. But uh, yeah, this is game of the week, and I think the Bonnies are going to find a way to win this one, pull it off against VCU. It's at home, so uh, yeah, I think they'll uh, pull it off. I think for the key for for Bonnie's, you know, every week is they have to get some impact points in the paint uh, with Osun Osuni, and um, if if they rely too much on their outside shooting and they start to go cold, uh, that becomes a problem for them. So they got to work the inside and they got to uh, drive hard to the basket. I think VCU. Uh, down low in the paint is is uh, susceptible to that strategy. So, you know, I think that's going to be a tremendous game. I think the game's on CBS Sports Network. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, it's on national TV, and the A-10 will get uh, to showcase two of their top teams. Yep, that is true. Uh, now we'll move on to the three spot in the A-10, which is Richmond at 3-1, and 9-3 and three overall. Uh, they haven't played in a while. They've been on... Uh, COVID-19 pause. Uh, that's why the Richmond game was canceled, as GMAC said. So uh, they haven't played in a while, so there's nothing really to go over with them. But they're 9-3, and 3-1 three, three and one in the conference. Yeah, no, I mean, they have that big win on their uh, record beating Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's not what... Everyone they, thought they, they would be. They yeah. typically are. But, hey, you know, uh, for the 8-10, you go in, you knock off an SEC team in Kentucky. That that says a lot. Yeah, that is true. And uh, for the four spot, it is UMass. UMass. At 3-1, and 4-3 oh, overall. Uh, yeah, they just came off a win against... Rhode Island in overtime, an overtime wow, win. that's a big win for UMass against yeah, Rhodey. Yeah, that's actually a huge win for them. Rhodey's uh, good. They beat the Bonnies. Yeah, leading, uh, leading player is uh, the one to watch for UMass is Trey Mitchell for sure. He's one of the best big men in the in the A-10. Uh, he had 16.7 rebounds. Uh, Ronnie DeGray forward for UMass also had 21 points and 6 rebounds. But uh, yeah, Trey Mitchell's the one to watch, and the uh, once the Bonnies play UMass, the Trey Mitchell Oshun Oshuni matchup will be, be huge. huge. Yeah, no, those are two of the better big men in the uh, A10. 
Yeah, so uh, that's the A10 preview, and uh, that was the last of our topics, but that's it from the seller today. Here's hoping our teams get out of the seller. Today.